And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. All right, so welcome to The Approach podcast number something. I kind of lost count. It's been a while since we've done this. Uh, I am your host, Jeremy. I'm Dan Finn. We are joined by... I want to say Pat Allard because that's the name on your Zoom. But <laughs> yeah, I got my wife. I hijacked my wife's computer. It's uh, Bob. Uh, Bob Allard. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well, Bob. You're from uh, Maine, right? Uh, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was born and raised in New Hampshire, and I live in Maine now because the property taxes are cheaper here. Yeah, I, I sent uh, for those listening. I sent Bob a message for a little write-up, and I said, "Now you're from Maine, da da da." And he wrote about four different times, "Little thing, I'm not from Maine." The little thing, "I'm not from Maine." So, so I wanted to start with, "You're from Maine, right?" I'm still not from Maine. No. <laughs> so, uh, what age did you start bowling? Fifteen. Fifteen, and then uh, so were you in a kids' league? Basically, yep. Yeah. Uh, kids league. Um, I got interestingly enough, I I was part of the Big Brother program, and my big brother, I can't remember his name. Let's just say Joe, but he took me bowling, um, like when I was fourteen, and it just caught on. So then I found I caught wind of you know leagues in Dover, Dover Bowl. Uh, which is all 10 pin now. Anybody that's still active today in that youth league, did anybody come up with that? Not anybody that's alive. No. How about um, coaches? Any big coaches that were instructing back then? Um, Andy Gortro. See, I don't know if he's still alive, but he's he's the one that used to run or own the bowling alley. These are names that probably nobody's ever heard of. Um, all right. Well, now they're going to know. <laughs> So when you started bowling, um, when did you start taking the game a little bit more competitively? I know, and we're going to get into this, you did take some time off in between. Were you were you bowling in tournaments before yeah. your 31-year 31 31 hiatus? Oh, absolutely. Um, because we moved, as a family, we moved to Rochester. And that's when um, I worked for Royal Edgerly at Bowlaway Lanes. Um <laughs> That was a pretty cool experience. Uh, that was fun. It was a pretty neat setup. There was eight lanes in the front of the counter, eight lanes behind, and around back, there was another eight lanes. So it went one through eight, nine through 16, 17 through 24 in the back. And all three sides were different. Uh, just the way the pins fell, uh, this, they were just different. It was like, this was the old set. This was yeah. the newest and out back was the new set. And it was pretty neat experience. Um, so I worked for him for about three years before I went to service. So you, up, you joined the Navy? Yeah, I joined the Navy in 1980. And you were, so how long did you do any, couldn't do any candle pen, I assume, in the Navy, huh? I, I did not touch anything until I, what, 31 years later, uh, 2011, I went back to Dover, joined the league down there. I think I averaged the 88. <laughs> it, was, it was a short league, and it, I was rusty. It was like, and I had, I had, I still got them, but I have, I had a set of um, yellow star lines. They look like grapefruits. <laughs> and I used them. Then I ended up buying some Paramounts, and I mean, and the rest is history. I mean, I got better, and you know, my average—I was averaging like 106 for a little bit, and then when I went to Sanford, and shoot, when was that? It was 2000, like 13, 2014, I think. Um, my average was going up because the house was a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, I was averaging 113 out of Sanford. That was my best. Um, usually I'm just, I'm just like, I'm around 112, 113 right now. So now what were you averaging? What were you averaging before you left for the service? 106. And then that last year, like the 79, 80 fall leagues, <laughs> I was winning tournaments. Uh, we got into a Grange tournament, won that state Grange um, I won the house championship for bowling alley. I won a state championship in 78. I mean, I was going to get that going some house championships. That sounds like a really 
Oh, it was pretty cool. That was when yeah. Bowling, they filled up all 24 lanes. And I mean, it was amazing. It was just, I mean, there were people, of course, it was a lot cheaper back then. I think you paid $7 for your night and it was like 15 bucks for the tournament. So right. it was well affordable, but times have changed, of course. So it was the house championship. It's kind of like the setup with the States where you put in your events, you enter the singles, you enter the doubles, the mixed doubles, mixed teams, teams, and you bowled in all the events. And I was all events champion. And um, it was very competitive back then. I mean, there's a lot of good bowlers. Uh, Roger Marcoux, Pat Pay, Ron Root, uh, Bill Derby. Uh, if any of the old timers remember any of them names. I know some of the guys like Alfie and Peter Flynn are going to remember them. Um, I, I remember seeing, actually, I watched a few shows recently of uh, Pat Pay was on. One of my favorite bowlers is he'd throw the ball and you couldn't tell if he got a strike or a, a punch out. You know what I mean? He just, his complexion never changed. He just, he was very well keeled. It was, it was pretty good. It was, he was a good guy to look up to. And I bowled with Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, Jake Cook and I, that was an idea that we had thought of uh, bringing to Millis right before COVID hit, like a house championship kind of idea. Yeah. See, they do it now. It's just like single elimination. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing it in Maine, but a true house champion is the one that does all the events. Right. But you got to find that fine line to get a price, you know, a decent price that people can afford that are willing to bowl that many strings, you know, because it's, it's going to get expensive. Right. Because you're talking probably what, 13 strings? Well, think about it. It's five, five for single. Well, back then it was 10, 10 strings oh, for, for the singles and the doubles was 10 strings. But so I was thinking five, five and three. Well, you can do that too. And then you throw your other five, 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 three and three. Yeah. So That's what's that? A few strings. 21. Yeah. My math is correct. So it can be done. You just have to find the right price. And I, I encourage anybody to do that. That's, that may be an idea that I may put out to Bart. Um, yeah. Because we had, it's there's a pretty good turnout down in Portsmouth these days. So we Yeah, can, it seems like a lot of tournaments are going in that direction, which is um, good to see. Yep. And we'll, we'll talk thing. about that in a minute. I, I'm I know sure. you're going to bring that up. There's a lot of um, – well, and just going back, but it's like it's really cool because you think about – Millis, I don't think people, you know, Jeremy, you worked at Fairway for for a while, and yes. people didn't look at Millis as like a tournament house. Like we had a few leagues here. Like this is even before my time here. It wasn't really until probably what twenty sixteen that Millis kind of ended up on the map as far as like people wanting to put tournaments in Millis. Um, we had well, my was it two thousand twelve. We had the first pro series there. Um, I think Barbara had reached out to me because I just started working there and asked if I wanted to try and get the pro series in there. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Then I think we have one later on in 15, I think. That's where Boudreaux went 727 and he finished the last string string really angry. (laughs) Because he finished with with like a 117 and he still threw like 727. But I remember like, so Whitensville, like that wasn't really seen as a tournament house. Now they're hosting tournaments every month. And Bolarama, like not that the house was ever off the map, but it just it seems like in the last, I would say right around, I don't know, it just seems like that's the you know one of the the big houses that people are bowling at a lot now. Well, a lot of that has to do with centralization of everything. Yeah, you're. In, this is a this is an an ageless argument too because the pro series is predominantly in Massachusetts. Yes. Guys like me up in Maine, I want to bowl that stuff, but I can't get to Whitensville. I got to go. When I go to your house, I got to stay because it it makes, it makes sense because it's about two and a half, you know, two and a half hours to get down there. So (laughs) now that I'm at Bowlerama, I'm going to be pushing a lot of that stuff because it's, it's more centralized yeah, in my eyes for people, and you can put, I mean, you can put Exeter on the map, uh, Bolarama. I mean, even like a Lakeside. That's yeah. a little bit centralized Lake, too. Lakeside had when I, I first bring, came up, uh, Poland. Lakeside was the place to be. 
now as well yes and that they they are emerging and uh they do a great job over there and even if you want to go south here um not too south but like abington massachusetts timber lanes john pomfrey's trying you know it's great to see like hungry uh proprietors like really trying to yeah work for the game and what we want to do is we want to get the word out there too we want to promote the youth leagues we want to promote the you know the Josh Daly's and the people yeah. in that age group you know mm-hmm. to get them to stay you know into it and that's Absolutely. always been a push and that's part of the attraction with me because you know I you know I live in Maine but I like bowling in that competition I'm I'm not gonna win anything don't get me you know I I'm not gonna win anything but I just like bowling on that level because. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the company for one. And plus, yeah. I'll starstruck. I'll stand there and just watch and drool. See, these guys are good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun to watch. I mean, it's. I mean, when you see, I mean, Baker just hitting a head pin one after another after another. It's like, how did he's a machine? How do you do that? And then yeah, all those shots that Barber makes with the ball that he throws down there. It's like, and I just I'm in awe most of the time, and it's. <laughs> And I'm glad to be back into it. That's that's part of the attraction. I said I feel good about that. So it still has to help you raise your game too, though. Yeah, but I'm not scaring anybody. <laughs> well, we we had a situation on um, Tuesday where we have a so we have a leak uh, called I don't know if they listen to the podcast or not, but it's the uh, softball Bellingham over thirty uh, league, and it's a, it's a drinking league for sure. Yeah. Like they don't oh, yeah. they don't call fouls. They um you know they lot whatever. They have a few bowlers in that league that actually really want to learn how to bowl. So a couple of them joined our Tuesday night speed league, which is the most com- most competitive summer league we have. It kind of branches off of our Wednesday night league, which again is our most competitive league here at Millis. They joined the league, and one of the guys was bowling. I don't know if he was bowling next to or against Deck Klein, and Deck. <laughs> took him aside and gave him a lot of pointers to the point where the guy came over and he goes, that guy in green's really good. I was like, he's in the hall of fame. He's like, yeah, you're saying that. He's like, but he was telling me about my approach. So debt didn't have to, you know, I mean, debt tonight, everyone who's met him knows, but the fact that he spent the time and said, let me give you some pointers to better your game. Yeah. That's what, one of the things I love about this game is, is people, you know, we have, um, you know, talking about working at Bowling Alley, Steve Reno's working here um, at Ryan's and Millis, and he's always, you know, giving tips to, you know, the youth league, to some of the 80 to 90 average bowlers, and some of those low 100 bowlers, myself, who want to take their game to the next step. Like, it's it's a great community as you said, the company. Exactly. And that you, you need them, you need them guys like the Reno's, and you hear the stories about Craig Holbrook. Yeah. He helped Timmy Douglas. It's like holy crap, and Douglas comes out and throws a huge freaking series, and it's just a simple, you know, recommendation. Yeah, I mean, there's ambassadors out there, and they're out there. They they don't wear capes, but they're out there, and this is, I mean, that's my goal is to promote the game um, because, like you just mentioned, when I see somebody bowling, I always, I issue them a lane. That's that's fine, but I get down and I talk. And I, you know, if they say, Hey, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. I, you know, this isn't necessarily the gospel, but don't do like I do, but you should try this. I mean, because I'm, you have to find your comfort zone. And like I said, with the Holbrooks and the Reno's and people out there, there are the decline that there are people out there that are willing to help and that really care about the game. Yeah. Never met somebody more excited to talk about one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he boy, oh boy, he come up to the main the uh, New Hampshire states, and boy, he tore that place up two seven oh ones right in a row. I was like, wow, and it, that was another one. I just I'm supposed to be working and checking the pins and stuff, and yeah. I'm standing there watching him. <laughs> so he, he so that's Bobby. So he threw two seven hundreds back to back, right? Back to back. Yes. Yeah. Jeremy, how many seven hundreds have you thrown? Oh Jesus. <laughs> Same day, Jeremy. I don't. <laughs> hey, I haven't thrown any either, so don't feel bad, Jeremy. <laughs> Do you know how not even close I've ever been? <laughs> but it's ever the only thing I have, Bob. <laughs> have you ever hit six hundred? Ah, uh, yeah, I've hit six. 
You had a 640, didn't you? No, no, 615. Wow. Yeah. I'm uh so I don't know what I threw, but I know at um maybe that's what I so I know at Exeter, I can go back and look. I had my best string of bowling, however you want to, not literal string, was the six games I threw the last month where I went 382, 370. And I'm wondering if maybe I had done the math real quick of what I threw five in a row. But I'm like, I don't count that because it's two completely separate. You you had to because I think you went strings two, three, and one. Didn't you hit 400? Yes, I did. That was that was would be my only 400 if you counted. I don't know where that counts. I, the, no, no, it doesn't, I mean, I don't no, it doesn't count. count. I'm just saying he he bowled three strings in a row, and the that would have equal 400. Correct. Yes, but I don't. I still I don't have a 400 yet. I still I don't claim one, but that would be the closest I ever got. But anyways, podcast isn't about me. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, you brought up. I was going to huh? say what 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 brought when you got out of the navy. What brought you back to the game? Well, it took a while. I we while I was down in Virginia Beach, I re, I had retired in 2004, and we didn't decide on coming back up here until it was early 2007, because at that point it had been almost 30 years with the traveling and everything else. I don't. I never really had a midlife with my parents. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Uh, I was down there in Virginia. We, I mean, I've been all over the world, as you can see the spoons behind me. My, yeah, uh, my grandmother collected spoons. So, yeah, that's my little remembrance of the military. But um, we came back up 2007. I came up first. She, bless her heart, sold the house, had the kids um, to deal with everything else, and I came up here. I was working at Napa. Uh, stayed at my sister's house and I didn't still have an interest in it until 2011 when I, like I said, I went to Dover bowl and joined the league only because Ron root was down there and I had bowled with him, you know, back in the late seventies, he was my, my dance partner, so to speak, because we won doubles and mixed doubles or mixed teams rather. And shoot, we was on the same um, team in the worlds back when it was the format before the current format. This was way back. And that's, let me see, Pete Brooks, Ron Root, Roger Marcoux, myself, and Pat Pay. We bowled as a team in Woburn, I think, 78. But this, and a lot of the old timers may remember this, like the Debt Kleins or the um, Craig Holbrooks, maybe even Bobby Whitcomb. The format was different back. When did it change? 83, 84? This is while I was still, this is while I was in the service. But the format changed to what we know it is now with the, the teams, just the teams all day, all week, for that matter. It never was like that before because it was one of them tournaments where you had to submit and put in for your singles, put in for your doubles, put in for your mixed doubles. And a lot of the old time was going to remember that. Um, I digressed. Um, we moved back. We moved back in 2007. We moved into this house in 2008. And I didn't start bowling again until 2011, which was 31 year break. So it was like riding a bike, right? You were averaging 113 right up there. 88. <laughs> <laughs> At first, it was like probably seven weeks. I, I It was a short because I joined late. It was like seven weeks, and I averaged an 88. And I remember throwing them yellow grapefruits down there, and I there was one night I had a double strike, and I was all excited, and I still ended up with 112. <laughs> I was all over the place. So, But it got better as, you know, here I am today. I mean, I, I remember I took – I bowled the first year I worked at Millis. I bowled, I bowled on Thursday nights. And then I think I took a year off and I was getting ready to bowl again. And I didn't really bowl in that, that time period. The first ball I threw probably landed in the right gutter about halfway down the lane. It was horrible. I just went, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> yep. That's, yep. You hit myself in the ankle one time. Um, bounced the ball off the foul line. I, I just, I was trying to figure it out, but it was, it was, it was an interesting comeback. Let me tell you. <laughs> so I do want to talk a lot about the bowling aspect of it, but at the same time too, being in the Navy for uh, how, how many years were you in the Navy? 
24. 24. You have to have some crazy stories. Yeah. Uh, share a couple? Well, like what? Give me a subject. Um, I don't What did you do in the Navy? Um, actually, I was a hull tech. as a hull maintenance technician. It's basically the jack of all trades on a ship. Um, I was qualified uh, non-nuclear welder. I pretty much had every base metal that I qualified on. I had sheet metal skills. I had woodworking skills. I had pipe fitting skills. Um, when I was, when I made chief in 91, 1991, I was middle management. The chief petty officer is you wear khakis, but you have all your people answer for you to you, but you have to answer to the officers. That's why I get pissed off when people call me, sir, because I'm a chief. So, <laughs> I mean, that's interesting in itself. And some people understand that some people don't, but, um, I had as middle manager, I had, let me see the aircraft carrier. I was on, I had 165 people working for me. So think of all the evals, all the counseling, all the advancement recommendations, all the personnel issues that you need to take care of, yet try to work and run eight work centers on that ship because I had all the repair shops. So that was a very fulfilling and rewarding experience for me, uh, being in charge of something like that, because I was the go-to guy uh, being, you know, the only chief in that division with 165 people that I had to answer for. And here's Jeremy, did, Jeremy didn't even like doing the evals for the six people that were going to run. I was about to say, here I am worrying about doing employee reviews for eight people. <laughs> Pain in the ass, let me tell you. But it's it's set up by rank structure. I mean, if you got to get your E3s done, like March. Um, and you got to get your, like your E5s done in like July, it, it, it gives you a break. You don't have to do them all at the same time, which is a blessing because I probably wouldn't be here right now because I'd still be doing them. But the, <laughs> let me, here's an interesting story for you. And I pull this one out of my, my long list of many stories. We were the first platform to test the anthrax. Back in 99, back in 99, when we went over as a battle group and took Milosevic out of power uh, in Kosovo, we had to do the anthrax shots. It was a series of six shots over six months, one shot each month. Try convincing that many people that this is a good thing for them. Now, you get... These days, you know, people, you, you, you got people that are on both sides of the fence. They say, well, I'm not wearing a mask because, you know, or whatever, or I should wear a mask, whatever. But it, it kind of comes in cycles, doesn't it? Yeah. When we were on, when we were on that platform, when I was on that carrier, that was probably the most, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to convince all these people that this shot or these shots were good for them because back then we were, we had a concern about NBC, which is nuclear biological and chemical warfare. Now, having said that the enemy, whether it be Iraq, Iran, anybody in the med, anybody, they have access to certain weapons. So we have to prevent as a battle group, we have to have preventive medicine. So that was probably the most challenging thing I've ever had to do was convince everybody. I had three people that really fought me on this. And one of them, I had to take the captain's mast. And the captain got it through his head, either you go home, or, you know, you take the shots like everybody else and it worked out and everybody did it. Um, I only had one guy who curled up in a fetal position on a, on the mess decks. He went under one of the tables, curled up in a fetal position. He was kind of like, Ooh, he was crying. So, was he afraid of needles or just didn't? It was, it was, 
how he reacted to it. And this was like shot three. So it's like I said, it was a series of six shots. There was one lady in um, legal department that her arm swelled up like size of my head. It was really weird. Yeah. Imagine seeing that and then hearing next, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, man. That um, was, yeah, my my nephew actually just joined the uh, the Air Force a couple right before the vaccine had come out, and he was talking to a friend of the family who was in the Navy as well. Um, and you know, he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna get vaccinated. And the the guy told me, oh, don't worry, they'll get it in you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somehow, because as as a hall tech, my rate, I was a hall tech. Um, I worked with sewage, so any any of the ship systems piping systems, especially, um, except for fuel. I didn't mess with fuel because that was the Airedale's, Airedale's job. But like if we had a sewage leak or um, a backed up toilet or something like that, the bells rang and we went running. Oh, here's another, I'll give you another interesting story too. <laughs> but um, if the bells rang and we responded to like a sewage leak, I had, we, we as a group, my people had to get um, hepatitis shot and it's right. a square needle in your butt and it's freaking peanut butter every year. <laughs> Man. So, yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the best things about being on a flying squad, flying squad is when the bells rang, um, I was one of four people that had to be first on the scene because you know, I was usually I was usually there first because I never slept on ships anyway. But I would like if the bells rang, and it's pretty funny too because if I if I laid down, I went to the chief's mess, and I laid down in the lounge with just my coveralls on, my boots off, and I laid on the couch. If you were trained, you can hear that one MC, which was the microphone system, which how they made all their announcements on the ships, you hear that click and you knew something was going on and you're up and you're gone and you, you put your boots on and you take off. And being part of the flying squad, this is cool as hell too, because you have permission to bowl anybody over that gets in your way. And it's <laughs> scary because I've had a couple collisions where I've knocked like captains down because they're in the freaking way. So if there was a captain you didn't like though, did you reroute? No, I never, never <laughs> tried that. Cause you always take the shortest route right. because when the bells rang, they told you what, what the, what the problem was. So if there was like a class alpha fire in compartment two tack 28 tack four tack Lima, you knew it was a birthing compartment off to the races you go. But if that is in compartment number 22, which is all the way forward in the ship, if you're all the way back aft, <laughs> if you're like on a carrier and you're back on like frame 163, you're hauling because right. you got to get there first. So I've taken a couple people out, you know, with my little frame. Well, I'm fatter now since I've got out of the Navy, but I was pretty fit back then. But yeah, I've taken people out before and, uh, that was that was the best part of being on the flying squad, in my opinion. <laughs> Just throwing elbows. <laughs> well, you know, hey, you make yourself a little bit wider with those if you put the elbows out. It is what it is. <laughs> so, uh, one more one more naval question that I have: What's the coolest place you ever got to go? Well, I'm gonna say Hawaii, and I don't. Know, what is? Do you have young listeners? Uh, they're fine. Are, are your kids listening to this? No. Okay. No, I'm not even going to tell you the story. I'll tell you in private, but all right. Hawaii is by far the best place. Um, Singapore was cool. Um, Hong Kong was cool. I feel like Singapore would be the PG-13 stories. <laughs> Basically, because they're very strict over there. Yeah. And, and that country is very clean. And uh, they changed hands in what ninety seven. They went back to English rule or something like that, or the, the other way around or something like that. But Singapore is pretty neat. It's very. Yeah. I mean, they'll 
they'll catch you if you spit your gum out on it. Oh, I have heard that. There's like crazy fines for that. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. What the hell? Um, God, I mean, there's the kid in the Weird Al song. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But Hawaii, Hawaii was my my favorite place because we I traded or I paid somebody to take my duty. Um, import, I was a duty fire marshal while I was a ship's fire marshal out to sea. But um, import, I was part of the rotation for the duty sections. So I think we're in six section duty and I had duty like the third day in. I just paid somebody to take my duty and uh, we stayed off the ship for five days. And I mean, it was it was wow. It was pretty neat. <laughs> and but the problem with Hawaii is, is kind of expensive. I mean, worst place I've ever been, probably Djibouti. I mean, I've been to Honduras. I've been to Cartagena. Not as, not as clean as Singapore? Not even close. <laughs> wow. It's just, I mean, you can buy, was it, Cerveza. You can get a beer on a beach for five cents. But, I mean, they give it to you with the top off. So, whatever it is. <laughs> What's inside? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you win these tournaments, you you take off, you go to Hawaii, Singapore, Djibouti, and uh, <laughs> and uh, knock over some captains. Now we come back, um, get back into the bowling world. Now I know you work at Bolarama, correct? Up in Portsmouth. That is correct. How long have you been working there? Uh, let me see. I started. Well, it's just been two months. Two months. Yeah, I think I started. Well, I get out of auto parts, which thank goodness I got out of that. Um, I was in that for about 14 years because I was at Napa for 11 years and I did O'Reilly's for almost four years. That jingle in your head, the O'Reilly's one? I, I Every time I hear it on the radio, I turn it down. <laughs> I, it's, it is what it is. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a story in itself. But, you know, when somebody tells you that you can't, take FMLA because your wife is having surgery, you know, that's, it's time to move on. So that's what happened. So I gave him five days notice. I said, well, if you're not going to support me, I, I can't do this anymore. Right. So I, and I got an opportunity to work. Um, Andrew would talk to me. We had talked about this January and um, he brought it through his parents and his parents were all over it. Uh, Maria Angelotti, gave the thumbs up. Uh, she's, she's a cool woman. I'll tell you that much right now. Um, nice person. So that's, it's all part of the, the big family that the Maderos has surrounded themselves with. And, uh, they all gave me the blessing and I started in March right after my, it was like right after my wife's surgery. Um, because I stayed home for a couple of days, took care of her, you know, to make sure that she was okay and everything. And, um, and I started work for them. I think it was the 20th of March to make a long story short, but I, uh, I'm home. Um, I've, I've found my niche again. Uh, like I said, I worked for Royal Edgley in the late seventies. I enjoyed my time there. I, I learned a lot. And when I went down on one of the machines in, um, March, it was like, I'm back because it, 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 it's all old hat. You know, it's, it's, I never, I didn't really forget anything. So I'm, I'm glad to be back and I'm here to stay. Nice. So I know um, before you started working there, you had made a post about a tournament battle of the sexes idea. How did you get that idea? Okay. All right. The elephant in the room <laughs> Everybody knows of a post that was made during the Invitational. Yes. We're going to leave it at that. Okay. So everybody was really angry with this post. A lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of emotions. And one individual said something and it kind of, it struck me funny because, you know, I'm old enough to remember Bobby, um, Billy Ray King and Bobby Riggs. And that's what come to my head when that person posted that. So that's, that's how it clicked. So I called this individual and I said, Hey, here's, I got a little story for you. Back in 1973, Bobby Riggs decided he was going to take on Billie Jean King. 
um, and it was kind of like a battle of sexes thing. How about if I bowl you and the winner pays for the bowling and the loser pays for dinner? And the individual was like, well, I don't know. Can we, I don't know. I'll think about it. And, well, that's probably a cool idea. And the next thing you know, I'm calling Bob Lee. He's like, yeah, why don't you expand it out a little bit? And then I call Andrew at Bolarama. I bounce it off to him. And um, it kind of came to fruition with the teams thing. So I sat there in my big think tank and I thought, what's the best way I can make this work? And I came up with the 10 men versus 10 women. Now the another thing we won't address, and there are some naysayers on this, but I think it worked out just fine. I capped the woman's highest average. So let's say it was Amanda Ray Carroll was in at 118. I didn't have anybody higher than 118 on the men's side. Okay. That's how it started out. And I was I was steadfast on that. Um we had some drops and we had, well, I had teams lined up and like three days later, I had three COVID cases. I said, ah, shoot. Okay. We're going to move this to, and I looked at the calendar and Lexi, I'm looking at Lexi's calendar and I'm like, yeah, shit, we'll just put it on. We'll try May 7th. And I bounced it off everybody and I got some new contestants and we did it. I mean, it came into fruition and we did it um, based on, a simple post that was, uh, you know, taken as a, you know derogatory in nature, but there was some good to come out of it. I mean, yeah, no, it was. It, I love the idea, but it's funny that you say that too, because I remember like the the ACST that uh, Frank and Cheech, I think Lamoni ran created together, branched off of. I believe was inspired by a post that Jeremy made because he found his old. What was it called? It was just a head-to-head league. Yeah. And Jeremy found his old schedule, posted it on Caleb and chat. And then, you know, a couple months later, the ACST is born. Nice. So, you know, sometimes inspiration comes from, you know, small angles. And it's just to take something that, you know, people are you know getting angry. And then one person says, well, we can make something out of this. I think it's kind of crazy. And I don't, I'm not going to get too into that post at all. But don't. no, no, no I'm, not, I'm not. I'm Bowling is a numbers game. You know what I mean? Like. I know, like, we have an app. Like, you look at two tennis players, like, you use tennis as an example. If you see two men playing, and two women playing, unless you like, really understand the game, um, you can't tell if those two women are better than those two men if they're not playing against each other. With bowling, if you're five lanes down and you're throwing 130s, 140s, and I'm throwing 80s and 90s, you're better than me. We don't have to be on the same lane for, for everyone to see that. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so I'm surprised that people would ever look at some of these top flight women and think that they can't compete. I mean, and your match showed, I mean, it was a hell of a finish. My gosh, was it, I would pay to see that over and over again. Man, I tell you, that was, that was, I was on the edge of my seat because I went down in the front and I was sitting there and I'm holding on to the payout envelopes. And I got a grip. I had, when I turned them over to the people, they were, they were crunched with the grip. I was, it was so intense. (laughs) What was, I did see that there was, uh, and nobody's going to be put on blast here, but what was, I heard there was confusion that had happened. So, yeah, um, and I take full responsibility for that. And I, I'd mentioned that in my post. Um, the initial setup was whoever was the top three, okay, bowls against the top, top three of the other sex. And that's just the way it is. So, and that was the format. So, it was either the men's winning or the women winning. So that was based on the top three by points or the tiebreaker was um, total pinfall. And then the third tiebreaker was high single. Mm-hmm. So Jeff and Jason and Aaron bowled against uh, Amanda and um, Glennis and Sonia. And then when the head-to-head match, it was like 384 to 377. Yeah, that's insane. You can't script that. No. It it was freaking – it was perfect. Um, Unfortunately, there had to be a loser. Right. 
but there was they I paid top three places in each division. So I mean we had winners also. Um, next one, I'll probably ask for a, a bigger entry fee. If I had to change anything, uh, I'm probably going to ask for a larger entry fee, like 75 or 100 bucks, because we basically gave the bowling away. Uh, we charge basically nothing for them to bowl, and all money except for what I put into candle pins for cancer, cancer came back to the bowlers. Uh, Will Damon, Kerrigan Skinner. Uh, gave donations. Uh, Will Damon was really generous. Because um, he has a company that he sponsored, right? Yeah, That's right. He does. What was the company? Damon Distributors. Just want to give them a shout out. I do. <laughs> I certainly do. I also want to give Nate Lees a shout out for running the 50 50. Yeah. <laughs> Nate's another one of those guys, too, that, you know, you see him, we, we had him on the podcast. He just pops up in more and more things yeah. as far as, uh, yeah, you know, you're always willing to help, which is fantastic. That's what the game needs. And I, I, I saw a post a while ago and, you know, we always, Jeremy and I joke that we're going to get this on the chart one day that says uh, we're not going to name names, but, but somebody saying, no, I don't see people stepping up and volunteering to do this stuff for free. And I said, I see the exact opposite. I see a ton of people stepping up and doing things for free. Right. So yeah. I think that that's, you know, he's one of the guys that, that for sure does that, you know, I, I mean, they, they, we could go through a whole laundry list of names of people like that. But oh, absolutely. Um, so that I was going to ask the question, but it seems like you already answered. If there was one thing you could change or will change in the in the future tournaments, because there will be future tournaments, it sounds like. Yes, uh, uh, I came up with a date for the next one. Like I said, I'm going to probably up up the end the um, entry fee. Yep. Uh, Jeff is going to be the captain of the men's team, and Amanda is going to be the captain for the women's team. So, if somebody were want to sign up for this, who? So you can only allow 10, 10 on ten, correct? 10. 10. Who decides? So you have 14 guys to sign up and say they're all under the threshold. Jeff decides that? Jeff will decide that. Jeff, under, and, well. And who is the woman's captain? I'm sorry. Amanda. 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 Right. So it'll be Amanda and Jeff. Yep. And I'll take in all the names. I'll throw my name in there if you want to throw your name in there. But it's all based on, let's say, we had it. I had it to where it was like a point and a half off on the averages mm-hmm. the original list it was like, like oh shoot what was it it was like one 108.2 to 108.7 or something it was really close yeah initially had it this is back when jeff walsh and steve spagnola you know um mario was in there um, but they they I, they had dropped for various reasons. Um, so that's what we want to do. We want to kind of keep it close average wise. And like I said, you, I can't, I can't, and this is going to probably create an argument, but I can't take a Bobby Whitcomb and, and I'm not picking on anybody by any means. I can't toss them against maybe a woman that has a 95 average. Yeah. Well, I mean, go go the other way, Maddie Kelly versus me. Like she's, you know, right, right. It has a chance. See, this is the glory of it all. You'll have your chance, right, right. Kelsey Layton, when we bowled, I think it was the sixth game, and I was already out of steam. (laughs) Or seventh game, she beat me like 137 to 98. Yeah. And I, all I could do was applaud her. She threw a great ball. So we, we have our chance. I mean, I beat uh, Glennis McKinney because I got a double strike <laughs> in the late stages. She was mad at me at first, and then she got over it because I bought her a beer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that was – I mean, it was good interacting with everybody. These are people I don't talk to every day. Right. And, I mean, guys like Bob Heap, he's not going to talk to Glennis – on a regular basis. So, I mean, it, it was a good chance for us to interact with, you know, other people. And I mean, it, it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah. It's, it's a neat concept too. Cause you know, I think about like, you know, and Jeremy, you can think this when you edit it, but without on the bear, like one of the things I love more than anything else about that tournament is 
you know, I love seeing the same people come in. Like it means a lot that you come in and you get a room and I know the community, it's not easy for you at all, but it's also cool to see new faces every single tournament. Yeah, I get to meet so many people. It's one of the main reasons we do this podcast is the ability to, you know, talk, you know, we don't typically get a chance to talk for almost an hour about, you know, put different bowlers that you sell and things like that. And, you know, I get to, I get to learn a lot. It's a great experience for me as well. Um, but without one the bear, you, it's 88 people. It can be very overwhelming and you really don't get a chance to talk to everybody. This is right. 10 on 10, which mm-hmm. not to say 20 is small, but you kind of condense that talent. You get a chance to really talk to everybody. Yeah. And you work out the head against everybody. And I did. And I, I was the, Amanda. I bowled Amanda the first match and we would talk. Well, I talk smack. She's like, <laughs> she looked at me like I had four heads. And I said, I says, uh, I'll bet you 10 bucks that I get more red dots than you. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure? It's easy money. <laughs> you hit the head pin more than me. I know you do. And sure as hell, I got five red marks and she got six. I said, That's 10 bucks you could have got right there. And like, ah. <laughs> I said, no, really, you could have got it. <laughs> So I mean, it's, it is cool. And it, I mean, how often do I get to shoot the shit with Amanda Carroll, one of the better right. bowlers, you know, bowlers out there? I mean, you know, maybe this is something that I could attract, you know, Maddie Kelly to come into if, you know, time is on her side and maybe an Aaron Merrill, somebody like that, somebody, you know, and it could be, I mean, Kim Pelletier had a great time. Yeah. Um, everybody had a great time. Um, it, it does seem like you didn't just attract, um, you know, all the, the best of the, you, you had a range of bowlers. I mean, all I very good bowlers. Everybody had a chance. That was exactly. a, yeah. I mean, Kelsey put a whooping on me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I just, I'm, I'm going downhill now. So it's like, and I won one more match after that. I think I split on the day five and five, but my highlight was beating uh, Glennis. Was, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting format because you only bowl so as a, as a male you only bowl women but you're kind of bowling against what the men are doing against the other women, right? That's it. Yeah, so because you, you got one chance, right? One chance, and that's it. And that's you get your points. And Jeff got nine points, and I think Amanda got eight or seven or something like that. But she was the high score, so that means she beat eight of the men. So who did Jeff lose to? That's a good question. I got. I. I seriously was going to look into that. Um, I was hoping it was like a Kim Pelletier or something. That would have been freaking awesome. Has Has Jeremy has the match for um, the Can't Open for Cancer come out yet? With Amanda versus Jeff. I looked okay. today. It's not. It's not. I was curious yet. if that was a rematch of that. I didn't know. You know. You know. I, uh, I tell you. I, I tell you what, though, when that match comes out, it. Yeah, I had going into the last two boxes for each bowler. I, you know, I gave Richie a nudge and I had goosebumps going up all my arm because it was that awesome. Nice. See, that's what you want to watch. I mean, it, there was maybe one or two or three blow. I know Kelsey blew me out, but there was I mean, I lost Amanda like 111 to 102. I mean, it wasn't a blowout. I mean, there was a lot of close matches. So it was it was very it was very even. And like I said, the only fine tweaking I'm going to do is probably just the entry fee and not schedule um, a party next to Lane. <laughs> <laughs> That's always true. I mean, we've, we've had that issue too, where it's like, wow. of, of, I mean, you working at a bowling alley, Jeremy, you know, you, you worked at a bowling alley for a little bit, a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Uh, is it's tough because you don't want to give away the whole house for a tournament when you have open bowlers looking to bowl. It, the, 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 the alley still needs to, to make the day worth it. You know, that's correct. I, I had a conversation with Barbara and I, I want to have him on soon too. Cause that's one of the things I want to talk about is he said, we as bowlers need to accept that we have to pay the centers more money. Yeah. Cause I mean, we, we need to, I mean, we need the centers to be there for us to bowl. Yep. I mean, Helen Salou was charging league bowlers $4 a game 11 years ago. Wow. And here we are now. What is, what is Millis charged this year? Four and a quarter. It's twelve fifty for three strings. Yeah. So, mm. <laughs> you know. We charged the, by the hour. Well, we were talking about league bowlers. Like league bowlers. Oh, okay. But I mean, that's I mean, that's something, you know, we should be charging more money and, the, you know, yeah. this and that. So that so the places aren't losing money on us. 
Yeah. You know, well, Evan, Evan Rival on our podcast made a comment about we have to also realize, and, and Bob, I don't know if you see this at Bull Rama, that it's the, when you think about your leagues, it's your 80 average bowlers that are keeping these houses alive. That's true. 100%. There's a lot of truth to that. And it is, yeah, because I have, we have day leagues, and I think the highest average bowler was an 88. Yeah. Okay. But still, you have to cater to them. Mm-hmm. And if they, it's, it's the same thing. You treat them the same way if they come in for open bowling that you would at the league. I mean, right. it, it pays dividends. I mean, you can do the math, but we have a Thursday night league. I mean, I know you know this league very well. 80 bowlers, they take up 20 lanes. They always keep two for breakdown. Um, and it's 12.50 ahead. So you do the math and they drink. Like they love their beer. There you go. So brings in good revenue. This year, they had one bowler, Dolly, with 100 average or better. And it pays the bills. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's an easy, it's an easy, I don't want to say easy, but it's an easy grant every week that they come into bowl with you know, 12.50 times 80 plus, plus the beer. Mm-hmm. If that league ever walked out or we said, you know, we want to cater to the to the upper, you know, the one one ten and above, and we lose that entire league. Like that's a that's a grand a week, thirty two weeks, like that. Right. Yep. Yep. So you know, sometimes I think when somebody reaches over the ball rack or you know doesn't realize that uh, the etiquette is always perfect, maybe maybe just give them friendly advice as opposed to facing them out of the bowling alley. Yeah, I am. Exactly. In the beginning, I had a hard time with that because they have a Wednesday mixed league right next to us. The men's yeah league and the men's classic league i mean you got guys like alfie and peter flynn myself uh fred ranola it's a good league it's a very it's a very good league it's very competitive and we did win again this year but um that's why we're team number one <laughs> uh, nice payout and it, we put 23 bucks a weekend and then there's the league next to us which is the the mixed league and in the beginning, I had a hard time understanding why there was guys over there with 79 averages picking up the ball, going, picking up the ball, going, picking up the ball, going, and you're just watching, when am I going to have my turn? Yeah. So I took it upon myself. I still have an issue with some, so I just stepped back and weighed them out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and it's, it's very, it was very hard in the beginning, but as I've matured, Kinda. I've learned that that's part of, you know, the income for the house. Yeah. That's, that's their league. That's their thing. That's their gimmick. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And we're over here, you know, and I had a hard, hard time understanding it at first, but I mean, just step back. Yeah. We had a situation, Jeremy, I don't even know if you know the story on a, one of our leagues, Again, I don't know who listens, so I'm going to be very careful with how it is because uh, there's a bowler who loves the game. Uh, I think she was a former cheerleader, and when she every time she throws the ball, she does a dance. Okay, oh and it takes up sometimes more than one lane. <laughs> and she her league doesn't have a problem with it, none whatsoever. But she bowls next to another league that's a little bit more competitive, not super competitive, but they're they're they've been around for a while. They've been bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the bowlers happened to look over and said, finish out your half. And apparently the way he said it rubbed her the wrong way. And now I got two leaks screaming at each other. Yeah. And typically, and I don't know if you do this at all. Most, I'd say 95% of issues that are in a league. I let the league handle it because they're self-run, take it up with your officers. Now I have to get involved because these are two different leagues. It's not like they can just go to their president. They, you know, they're crossing over and it's like, you know, just argue with your own league. That way I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> but he, I, I don't know how it could have been handled any different, but it, you could see like it's you had one league that literally if they throw the ball in the gutter, Jeremy's first ball after a year and it comes out and there's a strike, they'll call it a strike. They don't care. They're there right. for the time. And then they have the other they, league. They drink they a lot, lot though. They, they, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They they uh they got a time slot favorability over a league that's been there longer due to their size and their alcohol consumption. <laughs> so they actually, I'll give them this. So I'll, it's the Bellingham over 30 league. I know I brought them up earlier. Um, where I have to give them a lot of credit, and Jeremy, you know more about this than I do because you were the one that, that signed them on. <laughs> During COVID, we had leagues dropping left and right on us. 
And the Bellingham Over 30 group called us and said, do you have any openings? We had one on Monday at the time because people were, you know, a lot of leagues didn't want to bowl. They showed up, 40 bowlers, and they kept asking when we could get the beer turned back on. They were there when we did them the most. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 100%. And that's why, like, you know, I, I felt bad telling the, the ladies doubles. I mean, they, this they had, was it? They had five lanes? bowlers taking up four lanes. Oh, well. five, five bowlers taking up four lanes and they, they were mad at me. Couldn't figure out why I was favoring 40 bowlers who drank $300 worth of alcohol. <laughs> Not, they used to have six teams with two dummy teams. Yeah. All right. It, 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 it made no sense. And they're like, well, we've been there forever. And it's like, yeah, but you, you, at some point you got to. And it, it kind of made me rethink some of our leagues a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I love like our Wednesday night league. Like your, what, what, what was your league called? Classic league. Like I, that just, it seems like that's a league I'd love to bowl in, like just to be around those types of bowlers. But, you know, I looked at that Bellingham over 30 league and I said, is that a market we haven't really hit yet of like a baseball group? Cause they can't, they can't play baseball unless they're doing indoor baseball in the winter. We right. get some like people who play other athletics, you know, that, are looking for something to do in the off season, right? Golfers, maybe. Yep. Push them, you know. Hey, maybe it doesn't have to be a thirty-two week season. Maybe it's a twenty-four week season or something like that. We can get those people into into the, the leagues and things like that. I think there's a lot right. of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, for the game, uh, I hate when people say that it's dying. I think we're just sometimes not catching all the opportunity. Well, that's true. And you got apartment buildings, and this is a good example right here. Uh, you got apartment buildings that are going up. In you know the Dover, Durham, Rochester, Portsmouth area, like big apartment areas. That's what I like to tap into. Yeah, big apartment complexes. So if I can get into and like get a flyer out or something, that's my next goal is to tap into something like that to let people know that hey, we're here. Yeah, like a, I mean, you got all you got the college. The college campus is right down the road. You know, right. Hampshire, if I could get like a like a beer league or something like that going, man, I'd be like, whoa. Right. Well, you guys are, are one of the more busy bowling alleys from what I've seen in the post. You guys are always looking for help. Uh, we are. And <laughs> we got birthday parties. Like I got six Saturday and I got six or I think I have six on Sunday too. But we birthday parties is where it's at. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it, it don't stop when, when I roll in at freaking when do I, hell I roll in like eight 40 on a Saturday morning and I don't slow down. I forget to eat sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It don't stop. And I usually work till six and I mean, it don't stop and it, and there's still parties going on. I mean, you look out and there's like two parties active going and, and I love the kids to death. Why not? Here's a funny story. You know the ramps that we use for the yeah. roll down the and this little girl, I don't know, probably four or five years old. I walked down there because I'm wondering where all the balls were on the return. And this little girl's got all the balls on this ramp. And she's holding, she's holding with her little bitty hand, she's holding like six balls. <laughs> right. And I was I and I just I went and I looked at her and I was like, don't do that. <laughs> and what did she do? Let's see. <laughs> and she looked at me with like, what are you gonna do about it, old man? Uh, I was like, this is the kind of stuff that just drives it just it makes me giggle. Yeah. Because birthday parties are actually fun with us. And it, it's 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 entertaining, trust me. And the, the kids, man, they'll go up there four or five at a time. It's like uh guys. <laughs> I'll tell you too, like for us, um, we, we've had a real big uptick in, um, in birthday parties. And I think it's because Jeremy left. <laughs> no, I think, honestly, I think it's because be fair. I, I think a lot of it too, um, is because of, um, of, of, of people not being able to leave their house because of COVID and they're looking kind of to make up time too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree with that statement. 100% there we're coming back. Yeah. And yeah. and now I, I think there's an opportunity for all of us, uh, you know, where you're going to get these people that are going to want to join leagues and you're going to want these people want to get back out and see people again. Absolutely. Kind of our job to be at, you used the word earlier, the ambassadors to the game and, and be welcoming. 
Yep, absolutely. So, but uh, I do have I do have one more question for you. Um, and I guess I, I wonder if it's two different people. I'm always interested in, you know, I credit Jeremy a lot for being the guy that brought me into the game. So everybody who's annoyed with me, blame Jeremy. Um, Can I add to that? Sorry, it's my fault. Yeah, I um I used to watch Jeremy when I was a kid on yeah. TV. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're you're an inspiration, buddy. <laughs> When you were coming up your first round and then uh, when you came back, did you feel, because I, I think sometimes, obviously anybody's welcome into these tournaments, but did you, do you feel like somebody kind of brought you in or did you just kind of make your own way? Um, first time, you're talking like back in the early, in the 70s. Oh, so was there two different people or did? No, not really. I mean, because, well, like my big brother, he took me bowling. Yeah. When I got in, as far as like going to bowling tournaments and things like that, like who did somebody say, like, no, I just, I, 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 I can read like anybody else. I mean, I read the flyers and I said, yeah. maybe that's something for me. Even I found like we have a lot of house bowlers. Like this uh, tournament that's coming up, the amateur tour, um, depending on when this posted, it might have already happened, but trying to get people to bowl in there, people a bit more, are you going? And it's like they, they almost want to make sure, like, they don't want to show up and not, it's like, you don't want to go to a party and not know anything. You know right. what I mean? So a lot of times when somebody says to you like, Oh, I'm bowling in this, you know, did you want to come up with me? We could carpool. Like, did you have anybody like that? Or did you just say, no. Hey, that's fun. I'm going. No, because I'm at the age now where, I mean, when I was bowling, when I, when I hit 55, they, that was qualifier for the main seniors. Mm -hmm. So nobody had to tell me to do that. I mean, I just went. Yeah, and I, it was okay. That was pretty cool. Um, then when Will Haskell became of age, um, it was just common knowledge that we would go. It just we would ride together. Yeah, same thing. I got a guy rides Scott Lapierre. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yep. We do the Not real post until he likes it, right? Oh, no kidding, right? <laughs> it's it really like I literally saw he, his name like pop up right here. He liked that comment already. <laughs> It hasn't even so, posted yet. You name it. My sister fell down and shattered her kneecap. Like, like, what's wrong? Can I say this, Paul, Paul Grant, if you're listening, I love you. But I think Scott likes more posts than you comment on. He does. <laughs> Scott likes everything. Anyway, anyway, I get off track again. But <laughs> he, we, we travel to the main once a month league. And it, it's just common knowledge that we go. Mm -hmm. So it, I nobody nobody really twisted my arm or talked. It almost sounds like you brought people though. Like it sounds like you were one of the guys that kind of brought the next I, group. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Sorry, Jeremy I'm, doesn't take credit or blame for me either. So I mean, I'll take the blame. Yeah, <laughs> I, he was one of my favorites growing up. Jeremy, an inspiration, all. Yeah, you Jeremy. know when I grew up back in the '60s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who um so i usually ask this to everybody who would you say was your your favorite bowler to watch or somebody you looked up to pat pay mm -hmm. and the early this is 70s um nowadays i i, I get a kick watching watching baker uh i absolutely love watching holbrook whitcomb um they just oh Corey Packard, sweetest guy you'll ever meet. He, yep. I mean, he's fun to watch. It's my wife's favorite pro bowler. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened to me? I thought I was I kind of, you said you weren't competitive. She was gone. Oh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> so yes, I, I, I can't really pinpoint you. It's like, if I asked you the same question, who, I mean, you probably have one or two. I mean, for, for, for me, it, it was it was Tom Olsta and Eddie Zernike. Those those were the two that I absolutely loved watching. There you go. So two. So I can't really pinpoint one person. Um, like I said, I grew up in a different time. I, were you even born in the 70s? 81. And, no. Right, see? Okay. So I went to service in 80. So, yeah. And here's the, here's the, here's the shame of it all. A lot of that time, I don't regret anything I've done in my life. But a lot of that time, I just, I wonder, what if? 
I I sit sometimes and I think, you know, what if what what if I would have stayed on that course? You know, yeah. Would I have been decent? I don't know. Like, who knows? But I made the right choice. My family's well off for it. I'm happy. I'm see all my places I've been. So I want a picture of these spoons. And Jeremy, when you post the the podcast, I want a picture of the spoons as the as the picture. There's four cases. There's four cases. Pick your favorite. Yeah. My um my my grandmother. So my grandfather was in the Navy during World War II and uh, part of Korea. And my grandmother would travel with him and she would do the same thing. She would she would collect the uh, collect spoons. Okay, so excuse my ignorance. Why spoons? That was because they're easy to bring in your sea bag. I mean, easy to bring home. They don't take a lot of space. I started with steins. I started collecting steins. And it's like, okay, maybe that's not a good idea because, you know, they're too damn big. I've, I've got license plates for pretty much every state down in the basement. Um, I'm weird like that. But spoons were, I mean, you go to a place, you find the sh- shop that sells them, and you bring one back. I mean, Hong Kong, I mean, you name it. It's on New Zealand. There's all kinds of stuff up here. Um, I, I'm going to get one when we go to Ireland in July. I can't wait to grab that one. I've never been to Ireland. That's going to be fun. So I'm coming back with a souvenir spoon and I'll post it on Facebook. I'll get you a, I'll get you a Ryan's family plastic spoon. You can hang up. And I'll... <laughs> All right, it's going to have to go in this one <laughs> where you have room. Yeah. I'll see if I can write that cursive, the cursive R on it. Right. Perfect. If, if I had known a few years ago when, um, when we went to England and Scotland, I would have grabbed you a couple. I already have them. They're, oh, never mind. Forget you then. Seriously, both of them. My kid went over um, with one of her high school uh, field trips, and she brought one back for me. Nice. So that's. But I probably out of all these spoons, there's probably well over 120, 130 spoons. I've probably been to at least 85, 90 of them. Is but I have. I have a couple like the Ireland spoon that I have that was brought back by my wife. My kid got the England spoon. I mean, that's just something I collect. I'm sorry, how many spoons do you think? You, I, just, I had to do a math real quick on something. Do a math. That was great English. I did some math. How many spoons do you think you have? Eighty something. Eighty something. Yeah. Less. Bob Allard has less spoons than Brian Fuller has bowling balls. <laughs> Oh, I got to get to work then. You do. I was kidding. That's what I was doing the math. I was like 45 cents times four. You got to get to 180. And he's not giving any of them up either. What's no. It? And none of them are his dad's either. He said on the podcast. Wow. So that's crazy. Uh, 45. <laughs> uh, Bob, thank you for, for doing the show with us. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a good time. Well, thank you for asking me to come on. Of course. Yep. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank you. Hey, Jeremy, you've always been my inspiration. I, you know, I'll, I do my best. Thank you.